Hey guys, I am so excited to bring you this episode with Thomas DeLauer. We're going deep into the targeted ketogenic diet in this episode, which is essentially how you can use carbs around your workouts on a ketogenic diet to both increase your exercise performance and also enhance your results. Um, so the other thing we go into is Thomas's personal story. If you've seen Thomas, you know, maybe if you've researched keto, you've probably come across some of his content. He's done such an amazing job growing his YouTube channel and other social platforms as educational resources on keto. Um, and if you've seen him, you think, oh, he's just this like shredded six pack fitness influencer guy, but he used to be 280 pounds. And he's going to talk about that journey in this episode and how he used keto to change that and how he's now using targeted keto as his method of choice um, to maintain his muscle mass and to enhance his performance in the gym. So pretty cool episode. I know you guys are really going to enjoy it. And if you're thinking keto as you're listening to this podcast, um, please consider joining our 28 day virtual boot camp that's starting on September 1st. So this is a 28 day keto challenge where you're going to be competing against everyone else in the challenge for um, a $100 Amazon gift card for the winner. We're also going to have live weekly calls with me answering all your questions on keto and a Facebook group for support. I'm going to walk you through keto every single day. So you don't have to sit there and Google and get confused and find all the answers yourself. I'm just going to bring them to you. And if I haven't, you can ask me about it on the Q and a, so pretty cool, fun little thing, 28 days. Um, the registration for that is virtual keto bootcamp.com. Okay. I hope you guys join us. That's, that's coming up. So make sure if you're thinking about doing it, just go do it right now. So you can make sure you're all ready to go for September 1st. All right. One other huge announcement. I'm so excited for all of you Inside Out Health listeners. We have our very first Inside Out Health retreat ready to go. It's going to be Park City, Utah, October 10th through 13th. Um, we're only taking 15 people, so go ahead and reserve your spot if this is something that interests you. This is a total personal optimization retreat. Guys, we're staying in a 13,000 square foot mansion in Park City, Park City, nestled into the mountains in this beautiful, serene uh, mountain landscape, <laughs> totally to ourselves, okay? We're going to have gourmet keto and paleo meals by um, Real Salt Chef. We're going to do holotropic breath work, a sound bath, and an underground mineral hot spring. We're having a hypnotic journey and a cold plunge with breath work and hypnosis a shamanic drum journey, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, we're going to go out into nature and do some solo experiencing, taking some e-bike tours, a fire bowl ceremony. I'm working on getting a fire walk lady there. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to take you guys through some advanced biomechanics workouts, yoga, um, and more. So come and join us. It's coming up. So, um, go check out my website, coachchairgarrison.com and just click retreats. If you want to see pictures of the place and get all the details. Um, okay, let's go ahead and get started on this podcast with Thomas and guys, please, if you find this valuable or you think somebody in your life could use it, please share it with them. And if you guys wouldn't mind also giving me a quick review, that really helps me grow the podcast. All right, here we go. Here is our episode with Thomas DeLauer. All right, guys, I am so happy to have Mr. Thomas DeLauer here on the podcast today. Thomas, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me here. Good. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I think probably most of my listeners, if you guys have ever Googled the word keto, you've probably seen Thomas's face. Um, and we got to go out to dinner not too long ago and I was like, Hey, would you come on my podcast? And you were so gracious to come on. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? And you were like, I love targeted keto. And I was like, perfect, because that is not an area that I emphasize that much. So I can't wait to pick your brain today all about the targeted ketogenic diet. 
Um, but first, like, let's back up a little bit for people who don't know you, because um, Thomas, I saw you on the like fitness panel at Metabolic Health Summit. Yep. And I loved it because there was a woman who came up to ask a question and she was like, so I just feel like you guys don't understand what it's like to be metabolically broken and to be obese. <laughs> and you, you answered and you answered so gracefully and so kindly, but you were like, well, you know, when I was obese, um, this is how I felt and this is what I did. So I think that people see you and they think, oh, there's one of those fit dudes. He's probably been fit his whole life and he's never had to struggle and he's just that six pack guy. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah. How totally. you got started? So I think the the part of my background that makes it probably the most real is that, you know, I didn't struggle with my weight when I was a kid, right? I was, I was like a lot of people. I was, I played sports in high school. I was athletic in high school. And then the rest of life caught up with me after high school. And I, you know, after a little bit of college and then I go into the workforce and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm 280 pounds. And that's, that's where my story is a little bit different from maybe the person that struggled with their weight their entire life. Um, whereas mine is more of, okay, I was an athlete and then what the heck happened? And <laughs> which is frustrating. And it's kind of like, you talk to a lot of people, like for example, people that played football in high school and college, and, and then they're like, okay, well now I'm in my forties and I've got this, this beer belly and I don't know what's going on. I never used to be like this. I was an athlete. I was the jock. I was, you know, whereas I wasn't quite the jock. I was a nerdy little cross country runner, but still <laughs> I never had an issue with my weight. And what happened right. just to kind of like accelerate the story is I did so much running when I was younger that I beat the crap out of my out of my knees. So like by the time I was 18, 19 years old, my, my knees were already just close to ruined. I mean, I had ran my first marathon when I was 11. So like I, I did a lot of running and I got to a point where I couldn't run anymore. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I could, you know, do something else. And I started doing a little bit of, you know, lifting and stuff here and there. But the fact was, is that I was still eating like I was running like that. And right. I went from someone that was able to, you know, eat 7,000 calories in a day because I would burn it off running and training for marathons. And, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, like I get into a corporate healthcare world, which I'll talk about in a second into a, you know, a, an executive setting. And like, I'm on my butt all the time and I'm still eating that. And I'm like, oh, well for a while it was fine. That's the funny thing. It's like, there's like a lag time with your metabolism where it's like, my metabolism was fine. I was like, wow, this is cool. It's my body's just burning it. And then mm -hmm. got focused on work and got focused on making money and chasing coin and the usual. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what in tarnation is going on? Here? <laughs> like, you know, so it was, you know, people were making like comments and things like that. And then it, what really was an epiphany for me was I really was, and I did a video on this. I was driving across to the other side of town to get fast food and eating it in my car on the other side of town so that people wouldn't see me from my side of town as if they couldn't yeah. look at me and say, Thomas is eating double cheeseburgers, right? Like it was just <laughs> like, like it was this big secret, but I would drive across and that's when it actually hit me. I mean, sure. People had said something. I worked in the healthcare community. So people were concerned mm -hmm. about my health and they were saying things, mm -hmm. but it was at that moment where I was just like, uh, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the Thomas I know, like what's going right. on. Right. And it was, it was a classic example of someone that's being like a very one track mind and focus went from my, when I was in high school, all I had to worry about was my athletics, right? I mean, I care about my core curriculum, my school and stuff like that. But it's like, you don't have the responsibility in the way of the world. Right. On your it's like you think you do. <laughs> you know? Right. My life, is, my life is tough, mom. I'm like, <laughs> then I'm like, okay. Then when all hits you and then you're like, okay, now I have to juggle life and I'm focused on making money and supporting right. my family. Right. So anyhow, that's how, and to flash forward, I was working in a, a type of healthcare setting where the kinds of doctors that I was working with were generally 
um, holistic practitioners. So a lot of them were into fasting and the ketogenic diet back in, this was 2000, you know, nine, 10. And it's like back before keto was really popular, it was really used as just a, a in the medical community for certain things. And a little bit in the bodybuilding community used to see it. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they were the ones that were like, why don't you try this? Like, it just might be something interesting for you. And quite frankly, I started with some intermittent fasting, added keto into the mix. And to make a long story much shorter, weight fell off of me pretty quick. I lost you know, 50 pounds very, very fast. So the last 50 were a little bit more of a struggle. But that's how I learned about that world and realized, okay, I've had personal success with this. I understand medical terminology. I understand human physiology, given the industry that I'm in. Like, I want to explain my story. I want to, I want to get this out mm-hmm. to people. And, you know, then I had the kind of internal mission of, okay, how far can I take this? So I told mm-hmm. my wife that, okay, I want to be, uh, I want to be on the cover of some fitness magazines. I want to see how far I can take this. And like, you know, a year later I was on the cover of muscle and performance and that kind of started a little bit of a fitness career. Um, and that's, that's it in a nutshell, really. Wow. You know what I love about that story is like, I'm on that entrepreneurial journey right now too. And it's really been a wake up call. Cause I was a stay at home mom for a decade, right? Before I went into fitness. And now I'm like, well, yeah, that was, it was super awesome to have all the gym time I wanted and all the time I wanted to devote to making healthy food when that was all I really had on my plate besides my kids. Now I still have my kids on my plate. I still have everything else on my plate and I have to run a business and support myself. So I, this has been something on my mind so much is like, how can we support our entrepreneurs and our busy working pretty much all adults, you know, in this, in this journey. And I think keto makes it so easy because you have these parameters and it's easy to fast and have that energy throughout the day. Was that one of the things that you noticed right away? Was that your energy? Is that like one of the things that kept you going, um, was having increased energy when you switched over? Oh, I mean, undoubtedly that was, yeah, it was because I I didn't realize it, but it was kind of this law of attrition where it was like a little bit by little bit by little bit, I wasn't having the energy to have like want to work out or do anything. You know, it was like, and it's, these things happen so slow. It's like my friend would always say, you know, one of my mentors in back in the day was like, it's a gray line. It's a gray line until it's a black line. Like it's just like you just every day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a black line and you're like, wait a minute. So it was like, mm-hmm. here I am like not working out, eating, my energy's fine. But then every day my energy's getting a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less until mm-hmm. I'm finally like, oh, I can't even think about working out. My energy's so... And then all of a sudden, within probably two weeks of practicing intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. I had energy to work out again. And that's what I always tell people is like when you're on like, don't try to swallow all the pills at once. Start right. Out, if you make the change with the diet, like don't add a bunch of variables into the mix. Cause I promise you, like if you make the change to the diet, the body becomes less inflamed. You have more energy and then working out actually becomes a desire, not this requirement. So uh, yes. that's exactly what happened with me. It was like, Oh, I regained my passion for working out again after a couple of years. I love that perspective because I think so many people think, oh, I just got to hit the gym. I just got to hit the gym and I'm still going to keep eating the same crap that I've been eating. And they just say it's like a hamster wheel that they stay on forever. And so I love that perspective of like start with the diet because we we know as health professionals, that's where it's, that's where all, right. all the magic happens. For sure. <laughs> you make a much bigger, a much bigger dent in your overall you know, minute for minute. It's kind of funny. I actually did a video on this, so a slight digression because it's interesting. Minute for minute. You, you burn more calories working out than you do not eating, of course. But over the course of the day, you make such a big, I mean, it's such a bigger impact to abstain from a little bit of food than it is to work out. And it's like, 
it's I actually saw a post that you did not that long ago. Actually, I thought it was interesting. You're like it was your your like your running body versus like mm-hmm. and I thought it was really it was just like it spoke to me so much. That's so true. It's just like mm-hmm. yeah, you get it. If, if people just can see that like working out is just a small working out is the catalyst. Like that's right. all it is. Like you're flipping a that's metabolic right. switch, and that's, that's what you're right. doing. It's like. It's not the calories from the workout. Like that's a blip on the radar. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And you just need enough. You just need enough to get that catalyst going to increase your growth hormone and get like make your um, self more sensitive to insulin. So you just need enough. Whereas, you know, I was that picture you saw, I was in full marathon condition. I was running 26. I mean, I was like, maybe I'll do a 50 K, you know, (laughs) it's like, it just wasn't working. And I thought, let's just do more and more and more. And that never works. Okay. How about for you? Like, so how, when you started doing keto, I'm assuming you were like strict keto for quite a while. How long did you stay strict? I was shoot. uh, Because I started doing targeted keto more like a year and a half ago, two years ago. So shoot, like seven years of straight keto, you know? Wow. Yeah. So I mean, a couple, a couple period. Actually, I mean, I take that back. A couple periods of time where you know I went off for a couple of months, like over that seven-year period, where I would, you know, just go cycle on some carbs. I did have a couple mm-hmm. periods where I said like, I'm going to do some carb cycling and things like that. But I have my opinions on carb cycling. I'm, a, I'm a fan of targeted keto versus carb cycling. Um, you know, carb cycling I think leaves you to possibly come into some some insulin issues and stuff like that. Whereas targeted, keto, we could talk about that later. But I was no, keto for. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so it's. No, so I mean that that was so keto for a very long time, but I think carb cycling is a it's a relative term in terms of like the time frame in which you look at it, right? So what I think is can be hard for people is when they're doing carb cycling where they're doing keto five days per week and carbs two days per week. Like that's too big of a spike out of that ketogenic realm. Whereas with targeted keto, it's more like having small amounts daily or every other day just enough to barely kick you out of keto, but then come back in a lot sooner. Um, so it's, you know, we can, mm-hmm. again, we can dive into to more detail on it, but it's, that's just kind of my take on like, if you carb cycle too much to the point where you're not actually getting the benefit of keto ever. So it's like, right. if, you go, if you go smaller amounts of carbs daily, where the bulk of the day, you're still in ketosis, but you kick yourself out a little bit and you time everything right. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, or you go longer stints of keto, two, three, four months, and longer stints of carbohydrates, mm-hmm. you know, two, three months, mm-hmm. where you're actually cycling through phases. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, whereas cycling on the weekly, I feel like you sit in that gray area of not mm-hmm. quite getting the benefits of each, you know, because let, let's yeah. say, I mean, you, you get it. Like there's, there, I'll be the first to say like keto is great, but I'll also be the first to say that like there are some benefits to training in a carbohydrate fed state too. Like, I mean, let's not, let's not alienate you know, yeah. it's like, like there are benefits to training on carbs versus training and, and there's benefits for training keto versus it's a give and a take. Mm-hmm. So totally. it's like, if you do, if you only have yourself, give yourself a small window of carbohydrates, but big enough to the point where you're kicking out of keto and you're in that gray area of feeling sluggish, you're actually just doing yourself a disservice on both where it's like, you're better off to just say, I'm, I'm going to be keto for three months and then I'm going to be off keto for a couple of months, but you got to give yourself long enough time to actually get fat adapted and let the mitochondrial kind of biogenesis process happen. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with, for people who have a hard time getting back into ketosis, it's like you just got in and now you're going to bring cars back in again. Right. Yeah. So it's not a lot of time to have all those adaptations happen for somebody who's, who might be listening and they're like, what, what is he talking about? Carb cycling and targeted keto. Can you explain what the difference between those two are and how they work kind of with numbers? Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, a lot of them are the same. I would define, I mean, it all depends on what your definition is. I define carb cycling as 
just because it comes from the old like bodybuilding days of what carb cycling was, where it was like four or five days per week of super low carb and then having like multiple refeeds during the week, refeeds being times when you spike up carbohydrates, um, which, you know, it has a metabolic purpose for fat loss and stuff. I just don't know if it's the most sustainable per, you know, way that's going to allow you to feel optimal. Uh, targeted keto is just like the name implies. It's very specific. It actually should be targeted carving more than targeted keto. It's like the bulk, yeah. of the, time, the bulk of the time you're keto, but you have little targeted periods where you you have just the right amount of carbohydrates to expedite the repletion of glycogen, stored muscle carbohydrates, but not so much that you're kicking yourself full blown out of keto for an extended period of time. You pop in and out of ketogenesis throughout the course of the day either way. So if you're in ketosis, there's a fine line between like ketogenesis when the liver is actually creating ketones and when there's ketones present in the blood, right? It doesn't, if there's pre ketones present in the blood, it doesn't necessarily mean that your liver is at that time producing ketones. So what you want to do is you want to get yourself to a point where you have a nice big amount of ketones flowing through the bloodstream and then at the right time post-workout have a small amount of carbohydrates to where it's, it may stop ketogenesis because you have carbohydrates. It may stop the liver from actively producing new ketones for a short amount of time, but you still have a good presence of them in the bloodstream. So you're able to kind of have a little bit of a grace period, if you want to call it that, where the body can take up those carbohydrates, mm -hmm. restore glycogen, and then get back into ketosis. Um, yeah, absolutely. So how many carbs do you do after a workout when you're doing targeted keto? So I take them with my, my larger body part workouts. So, and I, I usually train like a full body split anyway, but if I'm doing a lot more volume on like lower body where it's a bigger muscle group where I'm going to be depleting more glycogen, I mean, we're talking 25 grams tops for me, Okay. you know, and okay. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty decently muscled person. So I need to yeah. like have, so that's a, that's not a lot of carbs for someone no. my size. I would say the average person could probably get away with like 15 to 20. And I usually, and I do a combination of fruit, fructose and glucose. And I talk about this, you know, a lot, sometimes in my videos, but a lot of times like my presentations that I do, uh, I talk a lot about targeted keto. We have different uh, pathways within our body and different glute transporters and glucose transporters and fructose transporters. Glucose transporters ride on what's called glute one. So S glute one, it's a specific let's just call it a bus. This bus takes glucose from the gut to the cell. Well, that bus, S-glute-1, can only take so much glucose at one specific time. Otherwise, it spills over. So if you ever hear the word spilling over, it's where you're taking in too many carbs at one sitting, the point where your body can't process it. Well, we only have so many of these little buses that can take glucose molecules at one time. So if we have too much in the way of one kind of carbohydrate coming in, glucose, then what's going to happen is not all of it's going to get utilized and the remainder you run a much higher risk of it kicking you out of keto. So what I do is I usually do 10 to 12 grams of glucose and 10 to 12 grams of fructose from like, we're talking 10 to 12 grams of fructose just for a matter of, of you know, reference here. We're talking like a third of a tangerine. I mean, we're talking a small amount and just a little bit of fructose, fruit, uh, sugar coming from a fruit, you know, so that rides a different bus. Whereas glucose rides S glute one, fructose rides glute five. So they both go to different places within the body and they both travel on different buses, which means you can get away with having that amount, a smaller amount at one point in time, you know, without it kicking you out of keto as aggressively. So are you going like old school bodybuilder and keeping packs of Skittles in your car or no, what are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. I, okay. Uh, so what are, what, how are you, how are you taking yeah. those? 
I, so <laughs> I, I vary, but usually rice, like a, a good organic rice cake, because rice cakes are already, they're puffed rice. So what you have to look at is glucose, it's starch chains, which are chains of glucose molecules bound together that have now had air injected to them through the prepping process. So what happens is the glucose molecules separate from each other and become very high glycemic. So a rice cake, although a quote unquote healthy food, I mean, it still can be wholesome in some ways if you're doing it right. It's it's a very high glycemic insulin spiking food, like extremely. It's more so than white rice, more so than table sugar, more so than dextrose, because you have taken glucose molecules and expanded them away from that starch chain and made it so it's individual, pure, 100% high glycemic glucose. That, but it's a way to do it with actually having some integrity and not just like eating garbage or eating spirit. Yeah. Either. So yeah. I usually literally we're talking like two rice cakes or one and a half rice cakes and like a third of a tangerine or maybe like a little over a quarter cup of grapes or some kind of lower glycemic berry. I mean, we're not talking anything aggressive enough to make it feel like, ah, oh, this is kind of a treat. And mm -hmm. yes, I'm out of keto. My blood sugar went up a couple of points for like a half an hour and then I'm back in keto. And, right. I, and what it does in terms of, you know, insulin sensitivity at the end of that workout, your body's going to just take that up real quick anyway. Mm -hmm. And chances are right after your workout, your ketone levels have probably plummeted quite a bit anyway, just because it's a natural process. Like when you when you work out, cortisol elevates, which elevates your blood glucose, adrenaline elevates, everything, ketones go down when you work out, unless some people I have talked to that go up, but generally when you're working out, when you're lifting, ketones go down. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just because you're already in a state of glucose in your system anyway. So, mm -hmm. but just prior to that, you have a good elevation of them. So it's a perfect time to just, okay, let's go ahead and throw a little bit of carbs in here anyway, and then, you know, ketones are going to start being created again and you're right back at square one. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second. Cause I know a, a common question people have is like, when should I do the carbs? Like before my workout, during my workout, after my workout, can you explain why they might want to do it after and not before? Yeah. hundred percent after. Um, so in, in pre-workout, obviously I'm a big proponent of being fasted whenever possible when you work out, but it doesn't mean you have to practice intermittent fasting. It just means work out in the morning on a empty stomach in a fasted state. And if you can't work out in the morning, work out as <clears throat> excuse me, work out as close to fasted as you possibly can. And what I mean by that is, if you have to work out in the evening, have your lunch, and then try to stretch mm -hmm. it as far from your lunch as you possibly can. You want to be as close to fasted as you possibly can. So if you had lunch at 12 and you're going to eat dinner at six, work out at until 5:59. You know what? It's like mm -hmm. bump it right up to that dinner meal. That way you're. You're, you're really just staying as close to a fast state as possible. It's really as simple as the body is going to utilize its stored tissues. That's that's mm -hmm. going to be, and it doesn't mean you're going to break down muscle. The body, mm -hmm. it's a lot more difficult metabolically for the body to break down muscle than it is to break down fat. The body right. prefers to break down fat as it's actually a pretty seamless process. Whereas, so the body can take fat, it can take fat in storage form and it can through fat acid oxidation, it can turn that into fuel really easily. The body has to go through a pretty aggressive process to actually take muscle and turn it into fuel. It has to go through gluconeogenesis, it has to go through the Cori cycle, it has to go through mm -hmm. all these different things to create energy. So from an efficiency standpoint, it makes more sense for your body to utilize fat. Um, the only time you're gonna run into a problem is when your cortisol levels are high, when you're overtraining. So it's train in a fasted state, but train short, sweet, to the point, and don't drag it out that's where you're going to run into problems. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely don't eat intra workout unless you're specifically a power lifter and you need like specific power at a specific time. Like I, I, there is a place, but post workout, you're insulin sensitive, your body's in a position where it's going to just absorb whatever it is you're taking in, which is 
to quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, because like you will you will absorb what you eat at that point in time, which can be very good, but it can also be very bad. Um, so that's why I'm very you know granular about that. I like so your that. post your post workout meal needs to be you know something just a small amount, 10, 15 to 20 grams of carbs, anywhere in there, 10 to 20, and then lean lean protein. Because one thing you don't want to do on the keto diet, you're fine to have your fatty cuts of meat. Don't get me wrong. But right after your workout, you're spiking your insulin a little bit. You don't want to be combining fats and carbs at the end of a workout because it's insulin opens the cellular doorway, right? So insulin allows nutrients to come into the cell, which right. is good. It's going to allow protein to come in. But it also means that if you have fat in the equation, it's going to allow the fat to get stored as well. So that's the only time on a ketogenic diet where I would say, okay, if you're going to have your carbs have your carbs and protein, but keep the fats out of the equation for at least an hour after your workout. That is an excellent insight. I know a lot of people are gonna get a lot of value of that. That makes complete and total sense. I love that. Um, okay, let's talk about, you talked about powerlifting a little bit. You said um, right now, like you, it sounds like you do more like energy systems, like high intensity interval training or more like circuit athletic training. Um, but when you were getting, obviously when you got on a cover of a magazine, you were doing a lot of like hypertrophy training, correct? Yeah, so definitely. what would you recommend? I feel like this is a common question now, especially there are a lot of women, but especially men, like they're like, man, how do I build muscle and lose fat and do what you did on keto? Do you have any tips for them? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that they have to understand is like some of it is a belief system, right? I mean, some of it you have to, first of all, understand that it is 100% possible. In fact, Physiologically speaking, it lends itself quite well to building muscle because ketones are very muscle sparing. So what that means is beta-hydroxybutyrate in particular, the main ketone body, stops leucine oxidation. It stops muscle from breaking down in the first place. So when we are building muscle, we're always in a, in a balancing act of our body breaking down some muscle when we work out and us beefing it up with the right nutrients. So it's always a balance. It's always kind of a one step forward, two steps back, or at least two steps forward, one step back with building muscle. It's like we take two steps forward, we build some muscle, but then our body eats some. And it's like ketosis makes it so that you're actually blocking that muscle catabolism in the first place because it's very leucine sparing. It prevents that amino acid breakdown. So that two step forward, one step back really becomes more like two steps forward, no steps back. So your ratcheting process of getting stronger, faster, and uh, more hypertrophy is actually much easier where people run into issues is they I think they have their timing down more than anything they I mean they're having they have their timing wrong more than anything they're they're messing up um, they're trying to add calories and they're adding calories through excess amounts of protein and sometimes excess amounts of fat now I am not anti lots of protein don't get me wrong it's not going to kick you out of keto okay it's definitely not like you can have a lot of protein it's not going to kick you out of mm -hmm. keto but at some rate, it declines the, the basically the blunting effect of the ketones on, in terms of leucine oxidation. So you're a lot better off to have your protein just at an adequate amount, whatever you need, not, and don't add your extra calories via protein. Try to add your extra calories via you know, a shorter chain fat, you know, whether it's gonna be through a little bit of extra MCT oil and things like that. Simply because if you keep adding more and more protein, it's really hard to determine like where your calories are actually coming from. And it's easier to get the excess calories that are going to get utilized properly from fats versus from excess proteins. Now, again, that's not to say that it can't be done and it's not anti-excess protein. Like people, I'm, I have periods where I eat a lot of protein. It all depends on your energy demand. It all depends on your recovery and everything like that. But the biggest tip that I can give that people have success with is give yourself extra fat so that the protein has a job of building muscle 
not depriving yourself of fats that could be used and forcing your body to go through a gluconeogenesis process with that excess protein. Like if you don't have to go through gluconeogenesis, don't. Like it's not, mm -hmm. you know, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, there was a lady, I wish I could remember her name. She was amazing. I she works with Dr. Jason Fung mm -hmm. and she was using this analogy of how ketosis is muscle sparing. And she was saying like, it's like staying at a cabin and you've got a big old pyro pile of firewood ready to go for you. Like that's your fat that you can burn through yeah. and use. And then you've got your really nice leather designer couch and that's your muscle. So like yep. you can either chop up the couch and use yeah. that to make your fire or you can use this nice big pile of firewood. And that's kind of how I think about that fat burning versus muscle burning process when we're in ketosis. I love that analogy. Totally. Um, how about like, cause one thing I always think is like, okay, you're not building muscle on ketosis. It might not be your diet's fault. How is your training, <laughs> right? How yeah. is the intensity of your workouts? Would you be building muscle on a regular standard American diet? Maybe not either because maybe you're not executing with intensity. So how, what would you recommend for people who are like, maybe they're feeling kind of sluggish in their workouts or they need a little more oomph or, you know, from the actual training perspective on keto, what would you recommend for people to get the intensity up in their workouts? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it starts in the head for one, you know, I mean, I, I hate mm -hmm. to sound kind of generic on it, but I mean, getting your head right, meditation, proper practices there, getting, because so much of it is, okay, yeah, like you might lack a little bit in some areas because you're, you don't have carbohydrates fueling your system as much, but if you focus on training in a lower rep range and training heavy relative to, you know, what you can handle, you're not going to, you're not going to notice as much of a decline as you would right. say in like, as you would in like a 12 to 15 rep range. I'd say the right. standard range that people try to just default to when they go to the gym is like 15, 15 mm -hmm. reps, which is mm -hmm. not the best hypertrophy range. Mm -hmm. Hypertrophy ranges are actually contrary to what a lot of people think, hypertrophy ranges are actually like three to four reps. The reason that they say hypertrophy ranges are like eight to 12 is simply because it's it's a balance between not having to lift really heavy, but still achieving some of the aerobic side of it. So. Mm -hmm. For lifestyle purposes, like an eight to 12 repetition range is great for, is great for building muscle, but nothing builds more muscle than lifting heavy, like period. Like, so mm -hmm. it, the hard part is you can't always ask, you know, a 70 year old, you know, client to go in there and just, and say, Hey, I want you to deadlift, but it's, it's all relative to their strength. Right. You know, that's right. I'm not, you never do anything that's unsafe. You, you should just always right. lift heavy in a controlled relative way. If, you know, what might be a 315 reps for me might be 135 for somebody else. It doesn't matter. The weight doesn't matter. It's all relative. You just need to be in that range where you can lift a little bit heavier. So I hate, it's a hot, tough one because I don't say, I don't like to say, Hey, you should go in and lift really, really heavy and be doing four or five reps. But my point in saying that lifting heavy is easier on keto is simply because you're running on a different energy system that isn't necessarily getting depleted on keto On keto. Okay. You're, you are depleted of your anaerobic stores. You're depleted of, glycogen that would normally give you the fuel to get those eight to 12 reps, mm -hmm. but you're not depleted mm -hmm. in creatine monophosphate in or not, right. monophosphate, creatine, you know, creatine phosphate, which you can't get through creatine monophosphate, but you're not mm -hmm. depleted in creatine. So you can have mm -hmm. your one to three, one to four rep range pretty decently and not have it affected by keto. Um, so keto, keto right. kind, of, kind of erases that eight to 12 rep range mm -hmm. and enhances the one to three and enhances the higher rep range. So it's like, just honestly lift heavy and get the stimulus. Yeah, I love that. That's exactly how I coach on my clients on keto too. And you know, I, what I always tell them is like, 
well, what do we know about keto that it enhances the nervous system? That's why we're seeing such great results with neurological disorders and epilepsy in the brain. Um, so it makes sense to train in a neurological stimulus. And how do you train your nervous system? You go as heavy as you freaking can. And yeah. you're right. That's relative to the person. Maybe for you doing an isometric squeeze wall fit is heavy for you. You know, yeah. like if you're older and you've never worked out, um, but we want to go as heavy as you can. And then long rest intervals, because we don't want to start training in that glycolytic system that doesn't make sense with our diet. Yeah, so exactly. I love to hear you say that. Love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about like, um, if people are, you know, what if they get into the gym though? And they're like, Thomas, I get in there and I feel like I just have like zero umph. I feel fatigued. I feel tired. Like, I feel like I've got no, no juice. Like what would you say from like a electrolyte standpoint on how that might affect their, their, um, performance in the gym? Yeah. It's usually sodium, potassium or magnesium or all of the above. Honestly, it's, I find that like there's different people that seem to be higher magnesium oxidizers, uh, potassium oxidizers. And it's like people, we have different genetic makeups, right? Like I oxidize magnesium like crazy. Like if I take a mag RBC test and see what my red blood cell count on magnesium is, it, a lot of times I'm deficient in it, even when I'm taking tons and tons mm -hmm. because I oxidize mm -hmm. a lot of magnesium. So different genetic parts play a variable there. Uh, on keto, you're going to lose a lot more in the way of electrolytes because your kidneys mm -hmm. are telling the body to expel water because insulin is low. Long story short, when you start keto, your body expels more water, you expel more minerals, which means it just becomes more important. You see a serious demineralization issue, which means that as far as central nervous system is concerned, you're losing a lot of umph there. You're definitely losing. It all starts, like you said, with the CNS, with the brain sending a signal to the muscles. And if it can't send that signal right because the proton gradient is messed up and the sodium potassium channels are, are whacked out, you're basically having an electrical signal that, I mean, the simplest way to explain it, it's not exactly accurate as, as far as an analogy goes, but it's like having a, um, a wire that's connected from, you know, a generator to a light source and there's the insulating side of the wire is just completely fraying out and you've got wires that are just starting to fray and you're not able to get as strong of a signal so that the light might flicker. That's kind of how it's happening with your muscles. And that's exactly why muscles cramp when your electrolytes are depleted is it's like mm -hmm. spinning a spazzed out signal, right? Now mm -hmm. this happens, but it also happens in a lot of ways we don't realize. Like a lot of times it'll just manifest through chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. we won't always see it in an acute response like we will with like twitching. Right. So right. you have to, you know, beat it, beat the, uh, you know, beat it at the punch, right? So you got to get it with, I, I say recommending just getting a bunch of sodium in as much as you can prior to a workout, because even if it feels like a lot, now, when I say a lot, it's relative. I mean, I mean like a teaspoon or two, but mix that into your water, something like that, mix it into your, even your pre-workout, whatever you do, add a little bit of salt. It's going to make us that throughout the workout, as you start to sweat and you start to excrete even more sodium than you're normally, it's going to hold on to the other minerals because sodium is going to allow that proper intracellular water retention to allow those minerals to remain intact. Um, if you don't notice a big difference with sodium, try taking some potassium. If you don't notice a big difference with potassium, try taking magnesium. I recommend kind of a process of elimination with sodium, potassium, magnesium. Um, and that plays a really big role. But I do think the whole targeted ketogenic approach that I'm talking about by adding those small amount of carbs post-workout has a cumulative effect over about a week. You'll notice like all of a sudden your energy is back in the gym. Yeah, I love it. I've actually even done targeted with, um, like, I don't know if you've ever tried um, boiling and then cooling potatoes to really enhance the resistant yeah. starch, mm -hmm. but I've done that with clients and they'll measure, you know, they'll have their boiled and cooled potatoes after a hard workout and they'll be one point something in keto ketosis the next morning. Cause it's just like a kind of cheap way to do resistant starch. Yeah. Um, and so like, I've never had that kick anyone out of ketosis as long as they're training and creating that stimulus and it's a resistant starch. So yep. that's, that's really cool. I think like, 
you've probably heard, I like I hear different numbers, but it's something like 75% plus of people are magnesium deficient. So that's like, that's why I love to talk about this on keto because it's like, okay, now we're putting ourselves in a state where we're flushing our kidneys faster. And along with that sodium that's coming out is coming magnesium. So like I also, like you, I'm here, I am a health coach. I've got all of my clients on magnesium. I'm taking magnesium every day, high quality magnesium glycinate, highly absorbable. And still I did my hair mineral analysis and I was low on magnesium. So I think like it's, you know, all of us, I think need to be supplementing magnesium because of our high stress lifestyles. but then you get people in the ketogenic state. And so I think that awareness just needs to be like really high, how important that is. Cause you're right. It's not going to feel like, Oh, I feel like I need magnesium. You're going to all of a sudden feel chronically fatigued and you don't even know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so with you. And uh, you know, another thing for me that's big and it's big on, on muscle building too, is there's a powerful, powerful protein synthesis effect of omega threes. And when we're talking about Mm -hmm. omega, I'm talking mega dosing omega threes. I'm not talking like, and this is, you know, say what's a mega dose. I mean, for me, like I'm, you know, therapeutic megadose is said to be seven grams per day. So, okay. you know, you're talking, if you're, if you've got a, a capsule of really good quality, mm-hmm. really good, I mean, like I like like Nordic naturals or some of these other algal oil, and that's not a paid plug. Like it's just like, these are the yeah. higher quality anchovy oils and things like that, that uh-huh. don't have, um, don't have high amounts of mercury and stuff like that. So like, usually mm-hmm. you're looking at like anywhere from 800 to 1200 milligrams per tab. So you're not looking like a ridiculous amount. You're looking at like seven to 10 soft gels a day, which is more than the mm-hmm. normal, like one or two that someone would take mm-hmm. one or two is a drop in the bucket. Like that's what you're going to get out of like a half a filet of salmon. So let's go ahead and let's, let's load that up. Right. Let's like actually super dose this stuff. Um, cause what we have to remember is on keto. Okay. The whole omega three, omega six ratio, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners know a little bit about, but I'll touch on it. It's always a balance of omega three to omega six. Ideally we should be like a one to one ratio, omega three to omega six. That's ideally, and that's like looking at like Scandinavian countries and things like that. I don't know if one-to-one is ever really going to be like super attainable for people unless you're eating copious amounts of fish. So I like to say a little bit more realistic and be like a two-to-one or a three-to-one, like just a little bit more omega-6 than omega-3. If you can be higher skewed on the omega-3, great. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact is I'm just trying to be realistic. Mm-hmm. It's all so it's all about the ratio, right? So with the more omega six we have, the more inflammation we essentially have. We are generally sitting at about a like an eighteen to one or a 20, 20 to one ratio omega six mm-hmm. to omega three. Really bad, right? Now, again, it's not about the quantity; it's about the ratio. So if you are eating a normal standard American diet and your ratio of omega six to omega three is twenty to one. If you go on a keto diet and you're eating mostly unhealthy grain fed meat and you're eating mostly unhealthy fats, well, that becomes the primary constituent of your diet, which means that that ratio is going to get much worse. So people on a keto diet are going to have just a markedly worse omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So they are at a high, high, high likelihood of getting very inflamed, even despite the anti-inflammatory properties of a ketogenic diet. So what do we do in that case? So that just means that the omega threes become all that much more important to decrease that ratio. They're more important on keto than they are in any other, any other thing. So that's Mm -hmm. why I'm like, for me, like it's not uncommon for me to take 10 grams per day. And what's weird Mm -hmm. is that if I miss it for a couple of days, like I feel a decline in brain function. It's so wild. And and I I have an old L4 disc issue from when I was overweight and that thing rears its ugly head. If I'm missing my fish oil, it's, it's wild. Oh, hundred percent. I take five grams a day. Every single one of my clients takes krill oil and it's it to me, it's, and I like krill just for the astaxanthin and the phospholipids, but it's, it is, I feel like I'm a completely different person in my metabolism. I always like, like if I get off fish oil, I feel like I start 
like getting more inflamed. My weight starts going up um, I'm, when I'm off. Like, and I use it as like a nootropic. I don't know about you, but like yeah. before I jump on a podcast or something, I'm always like, I want my brain on fire. So I make sure yeah. that I take it a couple hours before. So huge fan of fish oil too. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Yeah. It's like everyone, everyone's pushing MCT, MCT, MCT. And like, don't forget about the good long chain fats. Like, cause those are the ones, yes. that, those are the ones we need to be paying attention to for overall just sustainability. Yeah, and I mean, you have a cute, adorable little baby, Thomas. If you guys haven't seen Thomas's baby, you're missing out. He is so cute. And like, I'm sure that Amber was taking a lot of fish oil when she was pregnant with him. Like even before I was in the health biz and I was having my babies, I was taking omega threes when I was pregnant because it was required. So I'm like, what happens? Why do we think we don't need them anymore after we come out of our mother's womb? Like then we just, in America, we just like never have it ever again. (laughs) I <laughs> and I like I looked up when I was first starting keto. <laughs> I was looking up like, are there people, are there cultures that have been doing this long time? You know, I was doing all my research. And so I was researching all the healthiest diets throughout the world in the history of time. And the one thing that they all had in common was seafood. That was yeah. the one major, the one thing that every single one of them had in common. So, so, so important. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question um, for anybody who is like new to keto and they're just like, just getting started. What would you recommend for them as far as like, they're like, they're looking at you and they're like, Thomas, I want to look like you. Like, what would you say? What would you give them as a timeline on like how to make that manageable and manage their expectations on how they could get from 280 pounds you said you were, you know, to getting very lean and fit if that's really their goal. They're like, Thomas, I'm so aligned with you. I want to be on the cover of a magazine. Like what advice would you give somebody like that? So I have two pieces of advice. So the first one is on keto, it really becomes much more important for with quality over quantity. Okay. I definitely just want to cannot overemphasize that higher quality, you are, you are a much cleaner system and you're burning cleaner. You would not put 87 octane fuel in a Ferrari. Okay. You're going to put, you know, 105 or 110 race leaded fuel and get the good stuff, right? Because Mm -hmm. the system is operating cleanly. You try putting 110 octane fuel in a, um, some old decrepit like Pinto and it's going to, it's not going to know what to do with it. Okay. And (laughs) The same thing, like if you put 87 octane in a Ferrari, it's not going to know what to do with it. It's going to run like garbage. And the point is, is your system is running pure and it needs higher quality ingredients, which means you will spend more money on food, but you will eat less of it. So at the end of the day, net net, you probably actually come out financially ahead because the quantity of food is less. So when you're when you're looking at the difference between some really low quality Walmart meat and some good high quality grass fed meat that you can get at either a local butcher shop or at the store, it might look daunting because it's twice as much, but you're going to eat half as much mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's going to actually synthesize and it's going to, you're going to get a positive effect out of it. Plus you just don't need as much on keto. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, everything quality over quantity. And the second thing is fat adaptation takes a little bit of time. So no matter what, if you're just starting keto, you have to commit for 90 days, just commit for 90 days because Fat adaptation can take anywhere from a month to three months to really occur at the cellular level. And there are studies that show with uric acid content and it's long drawn out complicated thing, but basically it just means that like uric acid goes up a whole lot when you first start keto, which indicates that your body's holding on to ketones. And then about three months later, uric acid levels go down, which means that your body is now able to 
uric acid and ketones compete with each other for excretion. So basically, like if uric acid levels are up, it means you have a lot of ketones in your body trying to be built up. And if uric acid comes down, then it means that your body has regulated. So what that means is that it can take up to three months and you will have a continual fat adaptation that occurs indefinitely. There are studies that show that it continues. The body is still adapting even after a year and a half to ketosis and adapting more and more and more. So you might not feel really good after two weeks. You might not feel really good after three weeks. You may not possibly feel good after six weeks. There's always that chance. Mm -hmm. But if you stick with it for 90 days, I can guarantee that you're going to feel good because virtually everyone becomes at least somewhat fat adapted at that point where the body is just much more efficient. We still have our degree of bioindividuality one step at a time. My other tip that I would kind of ties into that is start with the diet, weave in the workouts later on. You don't have to do it all at once. Awesome advice. Okay. So what's new with you? What's coming up? Where can people find you? Do you have any cool projects or challenges or any kind of fun things going on that you might want to tell people about? You know, I mean, it's the kind of the same old, same old for a lot of it. I'm working really hard on being able to, I've got literally close to a thousand videos on YouTube now that have just been, wow. you know, for a long time. And so I'm in the process of actually getting those highly searchable and actually put in cool. a, a form outside of YouTube where people can, can search. So that's, that's something that I'm, cause yeah. I, I just realized that there's so much content that people don't get to see because there's so many algorithms that needs to be searchable right. in different ways. So that's something, you know, working on, of course, I've got, you know, a couple of patents. I've got another, another interesting formulation and patent that I'm working on oh, right really? now that, that'll cool. be hopefully, hopefully have the patent and everything kind of wrapped up by early 2020. And oh, then, cool. uh, so that's, that's always fun. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, to be completely honest, like I'm making a big shift in my business and in my life to try to streamline and really focus on that 80, 20 principle and be able to spend more time with my family. I, I you know, I spent, I, I don't want to miss the best years with my kiddo, you know, and I, I just, mm -hmm. so I'm really focusing on, on just streamlining things and focusing on what is the 20% that I can really do. That's making the 80% of the impact, um, with how I reach people, how I talk to people, how I run my business, because I'm just, I'm just realizing that like, family is what I want. That's what I want to, that's what I want to be around. You know, I love it. Yeah. And you, I've seen you walk that walk and I've been so impressed. I mean, every event you've got your family with you, you know, when we went out to dinner as a business thing, you were like, <laughs> I need to go say goodnight to my son real quick. I'll be right back. So I see that. And it's, it's super admirable. And so I commend you for that and everything that you've brought to the ketogenic community. You brought so much um, good information. You've helped so many people. So thank you. Thank you for coming from the heart and doing that. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on. Um, if you guys want to find Thomas, you really just have to Google Thomas DeLauer and you'll find <laughs> everything you want. And then hopefully once, once we get, you know, you get your, whatever you're working on rolling, then they can find all your content in one place. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully that way. It's not just, you know, it's, it's yeah. so easy to get lost in YouTube. So yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. It's been awesome you talking it. to you. Appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inside Out Health Podcast. I hope this episode served as inspiration and something that you needed to hear in your life. If you have a friend or family member that you think would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. And also please subscribe. I have so many more amazing guests coming. I have just been so gifted and honored to meet so many incredible health professionals in my career. And I cannot wait to share their messages with you guys. So please subscribe. And if you could be so kind as to rate my show, I would really appreciate it. Um, this podcast is honestly an intuitive call to me to help spread goodness to the world. And so if you guys can help me do that, I would really appreciate it. 
Um, if you want more info on this guest, pop over to my website, check out my podcast section, and you can get links to everything we talked about in the show um, and find out more about this guest and what where you can go from here. Um, make sure you're also following me on Instagram. Uh, that is my most active platform. You can find me at Coach Tara Garrison. You can also find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Everything is Coach Tara Garrison across the board. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to send me a message, guys, and let me know other guests or other topics you want to hear on the show, please let me know. I am here to serve you. So um, would love to hear from you. Would love your feedback on the show. And if you share any of these episodes, please tag me on social media. It's Coach Tara Garrison.